The Holy Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Six days after Peter had acknowledged Jesus as the Christ, the son of the living God, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them and his face shone like the sun and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, This is my beloved son. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. The scripture reading this morning is from Matthew 17, 1 to 9 verses, are my favorite uh, pericope or the passage, I would say. I remember talking from this um, Matthew and also Luke and Mark, you, you have this uh, same story running in all uh, other three gospels it actually gives a kind of crescendo to this season of epiphany, which is coming to a close in another two days. In fact, today is the last day or last Sunday and the season of epiphany. We have seen when we started this season of epiphany, how God has manifested himself in Jesus Christ. We have seen through nature how the wise men followed the star and visited baby Jesus in Bethlehem. And we've also seen how the dove just laid on Jesus' shoulder when he was baptized and the voice said, this is my beloved son and I'm well pleased with him. So the season of Epiphany, although started slow and with wonder and with this uh, nature's signs, slowly it built to an extent today, as we reflect on Matthew 17, 1 to 9 verses, it is taking a climax at the mountaintop. So it slowly starts with the wise men and the star, the journey that is taking them far, and now it's, it ends with this a kind of climax at the mountaintop. Jesus is taking with him pretty much the inner circle of Peter, John, and James with him to the mountaintop. And there we see Jesus being transfigured Transfigured is a word in Greek which says, which is metamorphia. 
Uh, it is metamorphosis, where we see a caterpillar getting transformed, changing into a butterfly or a moth. But when we say about this transfiguration of Jesus Christ, it is not a literally a change I'm talking here because the manifestation of Jesus Christ pretty much with the, to the disciples and to the people is that he is son of God. He is a divine person. So the disciples here, when they see Jesus being transfigured, they're affirming the divinity, the divine nature of Jesus Christ in, 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 in that nature. And also they get to see the human side of Jesus Christ. It is Jesus' manifestation into revelation. The disciples have seen only one side of Jesus, as we always know to many of us, like wonder worker, miracle, and um, many things like parables, things like that we try to associate Jesus and see. But the transformation here, the transfiguration here, is for the disciples not just to see the divine aspect of Jesus Christ, but Jesus here is exposing his human nature. This poses a big, a difficult question or a challenge for the disciples because if they begin to see the humanity of Jesus Christ, which means they have to prepare themselves for the chaos, for the suffering, for the death and for the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which means it gives, it gives them a foretaste, a pre-taste of what is going to come. So the mountaintop experience is a manifestation to revelation, manifestation of divine nature into revealing a human side of Jesus Christ. Now we come to the disciples' side because in, in Matthew chapter 16, we see Peter making a confession that Jesus Christ is the son of living God. And he doesn't stop there when Peter makes a confession. Jesus also makes a passion prediction there saying that, here I go to Jerusalem. My journey is getting started, that I'm going to be tortured, suffer, die, and resurrect. So when Jesus says this, immediately after that chapter, we see the, this band of disciples and Jesus going up to the mountain top. So Jesus' suffering is playing so powerfully in the mind of Peter, I guess, because when he sees Jesus being transfigured, and he gets to see Elijah, and he sees Moses, and immediately Peter says, why don't we build dwellings and stay here? Because Peter is kind of abandoning the thought that Jerusalem is going to be suffering. Going with Jesus again from this point to down the mountain, it's going to be a total different story. So he says, why don't we build um, tents or dwellings and just stay here. It's super cool in this place. 
But Matthew is again trying to draw attention by showing Elijah and Moses there is kind of pulling strings of the Old Testament and helping us to understand Elijah is the guy who interprets the law and Moses is the one who receives the commandments and then gives those commandments to the, disciples, to the Israelites. So this sums up the whole of Old Testament, the tradition, Matthew is compelled to use Moses as an interpretative um, template, I would say. The six days, the cloud rested on Mount Sinai, and in six days, we see Peter making a confession who this Jesus is. So there is this inescapable parallels that run across about Jesus and Moses. How Moses was sentenced to death by Pharaoh and we see how Jesus' parents had to take him uh, with, the, with the threatening thing that happened, uh, the order the Herod gives there. So but the many things that we can say that, that happen the, and which runs parallel with this Moses and uh, Jesus story. But however, the point here is, Matthew is presenting here the glory of Jesus Christ here, but at the same time, helping the disciples to see not just the glory of Jesus, but to see the humanity of Jesus there. Just, it is literally seeing Jesus, who he is, and just removing the scales from their eyes, appealing their eyes to see who this man is and what is his mission into this world. This vision, when, as I said, when, when Peter sees, knows that what is going to come, immediately he wanted to settle down. He just wanted to stay in the mountaintop. And then immediately they were overshadowed by the cloud. And the voice comes there saying, this is my beloved son, and I'm pleased with him. And now you listen to him. You listen to him. Jesus here is preparing his disciples for this sacred journey, I would say. In two days' time, we are entering into Lenten season. And Matthew puts this pericopy or this passage just before we get into the Lenten season. It is preparing the disciples. Or as we are listening, hearing to this word this morning, we are preparing for the sacred journey into Lent. And Jesus, he doesn't just want to like, no, make the disciples bewildered or confused, but he wanted some assurance for them because they've seen both sides of Jesus there. So with that confidence, with that affirmation, we, with that assurance, they would just carry on the journey with Jesus Christ. And as they descend, now they're on the mountain top, and they're going to descend into this uh, uh, crushing reality of the world below. And Jesus is preparing them, equipping them that they have to be ready for this journey, which is going to be hardships, which is going to be carrying the cross until the death. Sometimes cross just overwhelms us. But the call here Jesus is giving to his disciples is, 
Learn the gift of self-denial. Learn the gift of self-denial and be faithful witnessing to the call what Jesus had called, unto, called you. Most of the times we get so overwhelmed, so frightened when we talk about the cross. I hear, I was reading in one of the books where that one lady is very regular to church. She's 75 years, 75 years old. And she doesn't want to go to church on Palm Sunday. And she doesn't want to go to church on Good Friday because she doesn't want to chant that crucify, crucify, hear that in the scriptures and people who enact uh, that play, things like that. So she just wanted to stay away from that. And one of the Sunday school teachers, she says, is there a way that I can teach miracles to kids through Lent instead of this horrific uh, story of cross? But if we are beginning to think like that, I think there's no way that we can escape from this reality. It's a reality, whether you like it or not. Your God is a God who suffered. Your God is a God who died for you and for me, for our sins and for our redemption. But how we are going to experience this, how we are going to travel in this journey, the sacred journey, Jesus is trying to help his disciples to see who he is and just carry that forward in that journey. C.S. Lewis, in his, um, in his books of Chronicles of Narnia, he writes the words of Aslan in the silver chair. So the Aslan says, uh, that I think this is the last time I'm talking to you on the mountain top. Do anyone know, know any, have any idea about this Narnia Chronicles things? Okay. So the Aslan says, I think this is the last time probably I'm talking to you from this mountain top. As we go down to Narnia, I may not talk as often I've spoken to you before. The air on mountain top is clear. And as you listen, as you see here, it is clear. But as you drop down to Narnia, the air is going to thicken. And your mind is going to be confused. But do not get confused. And what you see here may not be the same when you go down. Your expectations may have changed. What you look here, what you have seen on the mountaintop might entirely, totally look different. But remember and memorize by heart that you have to go by with the, go by with the signs. Remember the signs and don't forget. This is the word of advice Aslan gives. As I read this, as much as I reflect that, I was just comparing and seeing how God prepares, how God prepares his people, how God prepares his people to overcome these kind of temptations or sufferings in this world. God prepares his people into this um, Mysterious moments, I would say, these transcendent moments, these supernatural moments 
you and I can never discern, but he prepares people to experience these transcendent movements with our lives to endure the reality in this world. The world and the cross sometimes tend to break us. Completely they may shatter us, but there is nothing beyond the redemption that God offers and promises to each one of us. Sometimes we, we, we just tend to uh, lose track or understand how God works through our ordinary lives, through these transcendent moments. Not many of us would have gone to the mountaintop and had that uh, overwhelming or breathtaking experiences on the mountaintop. But that doesn't mean that we haven't experienced the transcendent moments in our lives, the holy moments, the thin moments, maybe at the soup kitchen, maybe in your bedrooms, maybe at the boardrooms, at the workplace, wherever you are. It's just uh, you have to be open to experience those holy, those transcendent, those thin moments in your life. This is what God is offering to us this morning. On the mountaintop, transfiguration happens on the mountaintop. Maybe down the mountain, it's just a transformation, the change we experience. As we are preparing ourselves into this, the season of Lent, as the disciples have trans seen the transfiguration of Jesus Christ, and now they know who he is, maybe we also, as we leave the sanctuary, with that kind of understanding, let us seek God's help and grace to be open to those holy moments in our lives. May God bless these words, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. <clears throat>